When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Auburn Live podcast, your home for bold, insightful, and honest conversations around Auburn athletics. Where you go? All right, welcome into the Auburn Live show. This is the Money Moon Quarterback Edition. Um, if you're not a subscriber of AuburnLive.com, please go subscribe. Uh, we're growing like crazy and, and love our community. So AuburnLive.com, part of the On3 Sports Network. With us, as always, on the Monday Morning Quarterback, former Auburn quarterback Ben Leard. Ben, what's up, man? Oh, not much, Hoke. There's a – I guess the only silver lining is a W. Everything else is bright and on fire. Not good. <laughs> bright and on fire. Um, by the way, I'm drinking just for people listening, drinking some water. If I sound terrible, it's because I have a cold. So I'm trying to, uh, <clears throat> just, just so you're not like, what is wrong with that guy? That's what's happening. Power through it, son. Just power through it. Real nasally right now. Um, <clears throat> well, yeah, I mean, I really was just like, you know what? I'm just going to let Ben just start. I mean, <laughs> Auburn wins the game 17, 14. Um, but man, I mean that, I don't know that I've seen a game where you, you walk away saying you should have lost, right? There's those games where you're like, boy, we, we could have lost or we should have lost. Rarely do you have a game that's that emphatically, you should have lost twice. Yeah. They, they... chip shot field goal and fumble going into the end zone. I mean, that's. It's different than other games where you're like, oh, some things went our way. We probably should have lost, but we won. Yeah. Auburn should have lost that game flat out two different times and somehow didn't. That's why you walk away feeling like we won, but it feels like a loss. Just just yeah. where are you at, man? Tell, tell me what your thoughts are. Uh, you know, obviously there's the yes. A, a win is a win. I get it. I understand. Um but you that was a scenario where Missouri basically snatched defeat from the jaws of victory. <laughs> yeah. And I mean it was a a another what I would consider poor performance by the offensive line. Um defensively it was not a great performance either. When you look at the two scoring drives, as well as the drive that should have ended the game, there were – it was not a sudden change created by a turnover. It was not huge trickery plays that was huge gashes. I mean, really the most explosive play that was – that was uh, that was executed by Missouri was the fade ball that got them down to the – you know, two-yard line or whatever on what should have been the game-winning field goal. Mm -hmm. um, you just 
as a as a fan, you just walk away from that game feeling just so deflated in that it, it was so it was against freaking Missouri of all people. Yeah. And that was Missouri and Vandy are well accompanied by Auburn at this point, the, the three worst teams in the SEC. And that's, that's a statement, man. And man, I it it hurts me to say that. It hurts, but that's that's where they are at this point, unfortunately. And you've got LSU coming to town, and it, and I don't foresee it being very pretty. But you know, they are they're stymied by inexperience at the quarterback position. They are handicapped by poor execution and protection and push and just flat-out aggressiveness at the offensive front. And when the offensive line does execute and does do their job, you have a quarterback or pair of quarterbacks that that throwing the football at this point is not their true strength, and it is what it is. But, man, I was – I guess where I was most surprised is how how well Missouri's offense executed against Auburn's defense. They, you know, there were some plays where Eco and 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 you know Derek Hall had a phenomenal game as you would expect, but they just did some stuff, man. Running the football, they gashed them pretty good, you know. Not a lot of gap protection when it comes down to, you know, the defensive front, the linebackers fitting in particular areas. But it, you walk away from that game, man, and you're watching that game and see the final, you know, the, the, the missed field goal or missed chip shot, and you're thinking, oh, okay. There's a, there's a chance, obviously, that the ghost of Jordan Hare. But, man, from the second play – from scrimmage and overtime, they absolutely gash the defensive front for an inside zone, basically. A, you know, an inside zone off the left side. Kid doesn't get touched. Thankfully, Keontae Scott comes out of absolutely nowhere, at least to chip this kid. And for some reason, and you can't blame him, I – I, if I was a Missouri fan or a player in that locker room, I would have zero ill will towards Pete, the running back from Missouri. He was trying to win the game on that play. But hindsight 2020, second down, you get the ball, you've got the ball on the one yard line. Don't try to stretch it. Don't gamble with the football. Hold on to it. Go out at the one with as, as, successfully as they had been running the ball at that point, you're, you're going to win. And, dude, I don't know that – I don't know that Harson would have made it to the press conference <laughs> if if Missouri had beaten Auburn at home. I mean, that that it feels as if that game was the decisive factor between a three-win season and a four-win season. And watching that, I'm concerned that they do or don't beat Western Kentucky. Because, 
you you can't sleep on on Western Kentucky's offense. No, <laughs> they can score. No, and unfortunately, Auburn's offense cannot. Now, I'm you know, I was guilty of jumping on the bandwagon the first two drives. You know, you're up fourteen to nothing before you blink an eye. The opening drive from Auburn was was I was ecstatic about that. The execution was great. They were going to tank. They were doing some things in the quarterback run game. Robbie had a great opening drive, converting a couple of third downs with his legs, you know, things like that that were, all right, man, this is moving in the right direction. Defensive turnover, drive down and score. You're up 14. Like, okay, this is this is the way it should be against a Missouri team, right? That was it from there on out. I, if I'm not mistaken, I think in the second half, there were less than a – it was less than 100 yards of total offense by each team. Yeah, Auburn had 97. Dude. 97 yards in the second half of offense and uh, five first downs. That's – that's inexcusable. <clears throat> it, 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 I, I, I could – hey, I could – I could deal with that. I could stomach that against Georgia. I could stomach it against Alabama, maybe even Texas A&M, not freaking Missouri. Yeah. I mean, it's just – it's it's tough, man. Auburn at this time, at this point, from a football perspective, is at a, as a, at a major, major crossroads, yeah. major crossroads. And you, you – I, man, it's just it's, – you don't really know what to say. I mean, you – It's hard, I, man. After that one, it's um, <clears throat> it's hard to figure out what to say. I actually – you know, those first couple of drives on offense, I actually was the opposite of you. <clears throat> I thought it was entirely too difficult um, watching it happen. And, like, the first drive was, like, 13 play I don't even know what it was it was, an, it was a crazy amount of plays to go like 60 yards um they had to go for it on fourth down once every time Robbie dropped back to pass he just ran it it just it was like whew, that was really difficult um fortunately they got the turnover and got the second touchdown but um I'm shocked <clears throat> my takeaway is I'm shocked at the play of the offensive line. I, I don't know how you can explain that. I mean, I, I just, you've got a group of guys that all come back under Will Friend. They're all playing in the system for a second year. You know, I looked it up. You've got two guys on that on that line, Brandon Council and Austin Troxel. Both those guys have played over a thousand career snaps. Um, Alec Jackson's played over 700. Killian Zaire's played over 600. And then you've got a bunch of guys that are coming back within the system. Now, I understand you're without Nick Brahms. And, and then, of course, without Tate Johnson. So that, that matters. But, you know, ooh, the, the, the inability to get push in that game was – it was it's hard to believe. I mean, Ben, they averaged 0.3 yards per carry in the second half. They and, and and here's another one for you, and I'll let you go. Tank Bigsby 
finished the game with 44 yards officially rushing. You know how many yards after contact he had? 62. How, how does that happen? Well, how does that happen? Because if you get hit two yards behind the line of scrimmage and get tackled at the line of scrimmage, that's two yards after contact and no rushing yards. 62 yards of contact for only, 40, only 44 yards. That is how bad the offensive line was in that game. And it is just mind-blowing. Either coaching, I wrote today at AuburnLive.com, either coaching, either the coach, the way you coach them, or personnel has to change. Yep. It, some, something has to change. Put somebody else in or, or, or change how you're coaching. Call different plays to, to, to figure out what works for them. I, I don't know, but th that will get you – I mean, I'm just imagining that effort against LSU or Georgia or Alabama or Texas A&M. You'll Auburn will be lucky to rush for 20 yards with that kind of effort. It is. It's really, really, really. It's it's discouraging. It's frustrating. You know, and you and you look at the fact that when you talk about a kid or a pair, I mean, basically three running backs that between Damari, Tank, and Jarquez that could could be at other respective schools in the SEC. And in my opinion, each would be major contributors. They, sh they should be contributing more to Auburn's offensive output, but that is no fault of their own. You, The offensive line at this point is 100% the Achilles heel of the entire football team. More so than the quarterback, right? I mean, would you oh, say? absolutely. Ab absolutely they are. There is – there, and I and look, I, people will probably throw shade for me saying that, but it is – and, I man, I have a – it, it, it's hard for me to be critical of these young men, really hard, because I've had it – you know, I was unfortunately based on – horrible play it was done to me but at this point the the 100 weak link of this entire football team is the offensive line and what it does is a trickle down effect hope it's not you you as a quarterback as a running back as a receiver whatever it is most importantly as a quarterback you have an internal clock and there is a very minute amount of split seconds that you are permitted to read a defense and execute a throw, make a throw, make a read, whatever the scenario may be. The offensive line's job, their sole existence is to protect the quarterback and block in the run game. That's it. Nothing else, period, end of story. When the quarterback takes the snap, the problem with Auburn's offense is he drops back. He is so accustomed to whomever it is, T.J. Finley, Robbie Ashford, now Holden, whoever it is, they're automatically running for their life. Or they have such – the defense front has such a push that it causes the quarterback – to do to look in areas at their feet at the line of scrimmage and totally distracts them from what they should be doing is looking at the coverage and executing the pass play in the secondary. 
the 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 most frustrating part of that as a quarterback is that you are looking at a scenario where when they do protect like they should, when they do block like they're supposed to, the quarterback is so used to looking for areas to run or to get away from a rush that they might as well be there in the first place because he's automatically looking at his feet. He, you know, that that's you're it's like you're you're trained to do that. And I mean the whole scenario, you 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 have you have what I would consider the most one of the most talented backs in the country in Tank Bigsby. And while I am proud of the fact that they did try and stick with the run game. I mean, the definition of insanity is continuing to do the exact same thing and expecting a different result, right? I mean, there is zero excuse. I don't care who it is. I don't care who you're lined up against. Fourth and one or less than one, you damn well should get it. That's that's roll your sleeves up. Who's who, Who's more of a man than the other? It wasn't even close. Yeah, total total meltdown. We had multiple guys just missed blocks. I mean, it it just with the one. And and man, it you know, it's nothing against. I, I don't know. I I just I'm so at a loss for how poorly the offensive line has played. That it is. It does. It just like you had said. It makes me very very concerned at how dominant a defensive front like LSU I mean hell every SEC game they're going to play from here on out is going to absolutely knock them in the teeth yeah Arkansas Arkansas I would be willing to bet besides Georgia and Alabama Arkansas will absolutely dominate the line of scrimmage yeah just that's just their mentality anyway but they will be 100% licking their chops when they start watching game film of Auburn in a couple of weeks. It's, it's not good, bro. It is not good. Not good. You had a game with uh, 12 consecutive punts in the second half. Each team went back and forth with six punts. It was almost when, – when I was watching it, it was, it was like surreal. You know, yeah. I'm watching in the second half, just so people understand, the second half, I'm watching the game, but I'm also starting to write. I'm starting to figure out what I'm going to write after the game. So you're, you're kind of, you're not as in tune. You're watching and then you're kind of writing and you're watching. And it was just like punt, you know, and you're writing like, and then punt, and then punt. And then, you know, it just, they punt, they punt back and forth. Sometimes you look up and you're like, there's five minutes left in the game. What's going on? <laughs> like, oh, well, they've just punted back and forth the whole second half. Um, it was just, uh, I think the disappointing point for the defense, you know, I thought they played fine, but then when it mattered most, they gave up a drive that, um, that, that should have lost them the game. Yeah. And then in overtime, that was, that was a little disappointing. They sit there and force six straight punts. <laughs> and then with the game on the line, then they give up a drive. It's yeah. like, really? Um, and so that was, that was disappointing. Um, I give, here's where I give the offense – just a hair of and, and harsh than them is I, I do think with Ashford and, and Gurner who clearly Holden Gurner's not ready. 
Right. Considering he only got playing time because Ashford went down and he was in the game plan and we thought he would get involved, uh, he's clearly not ready. Right. Um, you know, Ashford's not ready either to be a passer. He's not. And I think we need to understand that. He is a package guy. He was never supposed to be the starter. He was never supposed to be that guy. Um, he's not that he's not that good of a thrower yet. And so I do I do think that's worth taking into consideration when we talk about the offense and the play calling in this game. Like, you know, they were a little hamstrung in terms of, okay, Robbie's not ready to be, he's not a passer. And how, how do we put together an offense with a porous offensive line and a guy who can't really throw the football around? How, how do we put something together? So maybe they'll have a better game plan against LSU, a little bit more time. If, 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 if indeed Ashford's the guy again, we don't know, TJ Finley could, could play. You know, we'll talk to Brian Harson on Monday. Um, not that he's going to say anything, um, but, you know, maybe there's a better thought to how, how do we – how do we move the football with him? I mean, I, I just think, and I told some people all in the offseason, if you just plug Ashford into the offense, you're just you're just wasting his talents. Yeah, I, I agree. And I have to go a total different direction, but I just don't see Harson doing that. It's not in his style to just go, okay, let's do a bunch of like how many zone reads did you see Saturday? Like barely any. I, I didn't see, I saw. I didn't see any zone read play. Like, make them read, me or tank, me or tank, constantly. Make them make that decision. I didn't see any of that. No. I, I You know, the, the Tim, in my opinion, though, I mean, that that is frustrating in the sense that you as a coach, whether it be head coach or offensive coordinator, it is your job to adapt to the strengths of the talent on the field. You you cannot, and that I mean, look, and I know this is a this is years and years ago, but that was one of the major frustrating points for me when I in 1998 in dealing with Jimbo Fisher. You know, Jimbo was the same way. Jimbo coming off two seasons with Damian Craig as as talented as he was, who who was ahead of his time, was an unbelievable, unbelievably athletic quarterback, and. I remember on hundreds of occasions, whether it be in the sidelines or in the meeting room, hey, if it breaks down, use your legs, make something happen. Well, Damien could do that. I I couldn't do it. It was not it was not something that I was blessed with. I needed to be protected and I needed I needed mentally to be able to beat you and to to not adapt an offense to me, is a 100% egregious mistake on the coach. And that's where Auburn is at this point. You, you should suspect everybody listening, watching, or with an earshot of this should know, leading into Saturday's game versus LSU. LSU, number one, is athletic enough to do this. They are going to put eight guys inside the box. And when I say in the box, you're talking about either tackle to tackle or tight end to tight end. So in man on line of scrimmage to in man on line of scrimmage within four to five yards of depth. So at the linebacker position, maybe a safety walked up slightly behind the linebackers. But there will be eight defenders at a minimum inside the box. They have zero worries. I'm talking zero 
about Auburn being able to throw the football to beat them. They may, they may, they may bust a play here and there. You know, they may make a big, big pass play on a pass interference or whatever. Somebody may bust a coverage. But when it comes down to it, nobody is going to have any concern about Auburn being able to throw the football to beat them or to win the football game. And it's at, at this point, that is not that is not Robbie Ashford's strength. The 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 area that is most frustrating is that the coaches that are being paid to do a job are not developing a game plan that exhibits his strengths and most importantly puts Auburn in position to score points and win games. That is that is upsetting. The kids are going to call. They're going to run the plays that are called. That's it. If you don't build a game plan around the young men that are on, that are on the field, you you're failing them as a coach, yeah. head coach, offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, receivers coach, offensive line coach, whatever it may be. You are failing them as a coach if you are not putting them in a position to be successful. And, and and exhibit their strengths. You're not doing your job, and in any other areas, you you can get your papers. I just do not be surprised. Do not be surprised one bit that if you walk up on Saturday and you see LSU's defense, they're going to be in what's called zero coverage, no safeties. They're going to be press man against Auburn's receivers, which at this point. Because Auburn can't consistently pass the ball, the receivers haven't necessarily been able to shine. Nobody's really stepped up into a leadership role or a go-to role. They're going to be in press coverage because LSU, let me, they have the athletes that can do it. They always do. And they're going to put eight, nine guys in the box, and they're going to say, okay, if you are going, if you are going to beat us, you're going to do it through the air. And through, you know, and through four games, I would I'd bet the house on LSU being able to be successful defensively and not <clears throat> not not give up a whole lot of points to Auburn's offense. You know, you talk about adjustments. Um, I put up a piece on Sunday at AuburnLive.com just breaking down second half adjustments or lack thereof. It's really second half offensive woes over the last seven power five games plus Houston. So you go back to Ole Miss of last year, which is really when this started, when Auburn scored 28 first half points and three in the second half. And from that point on, the second halves have been atrocious. Um, I think Auburn has, they've won one second half in that stretch. Houston's the only game that they outscored their opponent in the second half. Um, They've scored like 31 points in the second half, and they've given up like 104. Um, in the second half of those games, those seven games plus Houston, they're 11 of 56 on third down in the second half. You know, me, you know how many third down conversions they have in the fourth quarter against <clears throat> South Carolina, Alabama, Houston, Penn State, Missouri. South Carolina, Alabama, Houston, Penn State, Missouri, the last five. 
against big name opponents. You know how many fourth quarter third down conversions they have? How many? Hey, and I no, I'll I'm, tell you, I'll tell you too, what I would what I would like to to know is is the analytics on those third, you know, get in the weeds a little bit more on those third downs as to what what are the yardage breakouts, right? Are they third and threes? Are they third and eights? You know, and the reason I ask that is because during that period of time, if you, I would be willing to bet a large sum of money that during that period of time, their first down execution has been horrendous. Probably. Horrendous. It was a primary case in Saturday's game against Missouri. They were getting absolutely blasted on first down. So what does that do? And I know that this is super cliche, but it's pretty damn true. You put yourself behind the schedule or behind the sticks, it only makes things worse. It manifests itself to be a really big problem when you got a offensive line that's not playing well. You've got a very inexperienced quarterback that at this point has not shown the ability to execute in the passing game. You got receivers that are virtually unheard of because the quarterback can't get enough time in the pocket to throw the ball to them. It just, you know, it 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 just expounds itself. So that the the while third downs have been horrible. You can back it up a little bit too and say, hey, and the reason that part of the reason that leads to this lack of success or lack of execution is how poorly they have played on first down. You know, you third and threes, third and twos, I would be willing to bet that percentage would be substantially higher, or you would hope, obviously. But I think what they're the problem they're having is is first and second down are just an absolute crapshoot at this point, and they're getting dominated at the line of scrimmage. And next thing you know, it's third and ten or third and seven, third and eight, and you do that, your your percentage for success is in the cellar, and it's it's not going to happen unless you have a stellar offense and at this point unfortunately for Auburn they are they are far from that from the standpoint of execution production and just explosive plays yeah well it's just it's mind-blowing um how they go into halftime and offensively at least there is nothing it is worse in the second half or it's equally as bad there is nothing that's happening at halftime that's adjusting on, on offense. And this is the last thing I'll say, and I'll let you have the last few minutes. Um, <clears throat> in, the, in that same stretch of games, <clears throat> South, uh, Ole Miss on. So seven power five games plus Houston. They have punted 24 times. They've scored three touchdowns. So they're eight times as likely to punt than score a touchdown. They've committed six turnovers and scored just three touchdowns. So they're twice. I mean, just imagine that. When they start a drive in the second half, they're twice as likely to turn it over than to score a touchdown. When you're watching, you're like, there's eight times, they're eight times more likely to punt than score a touchdown. That is how dire it is in the second half of these games. And um, 
that's directly to coaching. You start the game, you got the game plan, all that, right? Then halftime comes and you adjust. It's not working. Scrap it. Yeah, we got to do something different. I don't care if it's Ashford zone read every play. Make them, make them. I mean, if they haven't practiced for it, we're, we're about to run zone read. And all it takes is one bad read and Ashford could go. But <clears throat> there's none of that happening, man. There's just no, no adjustments being made to try to do anything different. I mean, how bad does it have to get for you to go, let's just run something. Did we, what's the point of trying to operate this way? Just scrap it and run something you ran 10 years ago that you didn't run very often, but the, they practiced a little bit. Like, um, that's your job as a coaches, man. You got to adjust and put guys in good situations to, to be successful. And that is not happening right now. The, the, um, <clears throat> the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator experiment is failing. It is. I mean, I, and, and at this point, it's Harson's job and responsibility to step in and, and force a change. Whether he is doing that, I, I do not know. But I, I agree with you, man. I mean, you, you look at it. You, you can go ahead and automatically assume that the opposing offense and defense at halftime, they are making – adjustments they're making changes they are trying to figure out ways to execute and be successful it is obvious that they are doing that because if in the second half like you had said the last several games they have been dominated offensively and defensively for lack of output offensively and just giving up points defensively this and i call it experiment tongue-in-cheek this experiment with first-year SEC coordinators, it's not working. It's not working. And then part of it, too, it, it really, it really shines a huge light on the fact that they better start recruiting some dudes. And they, they need to pull out all the stops. Harson, Harson needs to take a, you know, take a page from Kirby's playbook, get himself out there, get seen, become, become someone that's, that is more likable at the high school front, you know, whatever he's got to do. There's, there's not, there's not much time. And, and he, I, I don't know if it's stubbornness. I, I have no idea. It, it, but, and what, what is making, what is making the, deficiencies in execution or deficiencies in coaching, you know, adaptations and coaching adjustments. What makes it even worse is the lack of dudes. Yeah. And especially offensively. <clears throat> just, you, you cannot, you cannot expect to compete against five stars with one or two really talented Derek Halls, Colby Woodens or a, a tank Bigsby, you can't – tank can't beat 11 of them. And they, they've got it. They got to they gotta figure it out at this point because you're having to play with the hands you're dealt. And it's, uh, it's, it's not looking it's, – it's looking pretty grim for the remainder of the season for sure. <clears throat> yeah, it's um, Auburn's uh, touchdown underdog. 
to LSU coming to town. And that was one of the questions I posed at Auburn Live. I said, outside of Western Kentucky, they won't be a favorite for the rest of the year. Just understand that from here on out, Western Kentucky is the only game Auburn's going to be favored in. That's it. They will be the underdog everywhere, which means they have to beat Western Kentucky and then pull off two legitimate upsets just to get bowl eligible. That's the state of, of where Auburn's in. you got to beat a Western Kentucky team that can score, and you've got to pull off two upsets. you got two, two legitimate upsets just to get to six wins and, and, and have an opportunity to go to a bowl game. So, and, and Hope, while I – you know, they'll – they, they obviously will be favored in the Western Kentucky game. But don't expect that favor to be very much because yeah. you're it is it is likely that they will be coming off a long stretch of losses. And maybe without a head coach at that point. I mean it could be who knows what state Auburn football I mean, it could, hey football. it could be it could be a push at that point. You just don't know. It, it's it's uh Man, I don't know what to say. I, I just well, we're in that we're in that stretch right now of <clears throat> and we'll end on this. It's just you're in that stretch of just bad football and a coach that, you know, for everything we see appears to be on the way out. And so we're just like I guess just go to the game and see what happens. I mean, there's yeah. really no <clears throat> it's it's kind of pointless talking about anything else big picture. Um, we'll see how they play Saturday and you hope for the players' sake that fans show up and which they will. And um and the, and the players have an opportunity to win the game, but well and listen, and we got like thirty seconds. This is the thing I urge people to do, man. Put aside, put aside everything that you feel about the coaching staff. Put it all, put it all away. If you are going to do anything, support these kids. Everybody, join us. AuburnLive.com, the Auburn Live Show, Monday Morning Quarterback. We'll see you next time.